0: So here we go. Nine one one emergency. Hello. Hello everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Public Safety Podcast. I am your host, Dalton, and joining me making his debut is my co-host, Pedro. Pedro, how are you doing? I'm doing well today. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, Before we begin, uh, please be sure to like, subscribe, leave us a review, and share with your friends. This podcast can be found wherever you normally listen to podcasts. If you have questions, comments, criticisms and compliments, you can send us an email to com. Once again, that's publicsafetypod.com. So now that we've got the administrative things out of the way, um, Pedro, how are you doing, man? Uh, before we started recording, you mentioned that you've been having kind of a, a busy week. You want to share kind of as much as you're comfortable with, with what's been going on on your end of things?
1: Yeah, um, so I'm just relatively new at uh, the agency that I'm with now, so uh, just with training and getting used to a new schedule, um, just sort of hectic working around um, the, a new, new schedule being on 12-hour shifts uh, versus eight, which is what I'm used to, so just a little bit of adjusting, getting used to,
0: to that life. Okay. At the time of this recording, what day of the week is it for you?
1: Um, It's Friday here uh, today. And so I have Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday off um, this week. Um, So then because it's upcoming week, I'll, I'll go back to work Monday, Tuesday, and then a Friday, Saturday, Sunday.
0: Okay, so you have basically one busy week and another week that's less busy. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, and uh, it, it's funny because on the shorter week, you you think you're gonna have a slow week, but you're actually busier doing stuff out of work, uh, just catching trying to catch up on life before you go back to work for the long week.
0: Oh yeah, and I'm sure you get the um, Saturday kind of hangover from your busy work week. Do you ever get that? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and even 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 on the short week, because two 12-hour shifts in a row can still be uh, can still be a lot to handle. So you know, you get up the next day and by the time you really start feeling like you're ready to get life, you know, under control, it's six o'clock in the afternoon already. So.
0: Sure. Sure. So you mentioned earlier that you're still in the process of training. Do you want to kind of introduce yourself to the listeners and, um, describe where you work and how you came about to discover public safety dispatching?
1: Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm actually, my first job was ever uh i was actually at a car dealership uh so that's that my senior year actually my junior year of high school um i was working at a car dealership um and then i left there just for scheduling with school and went to a second one um when i got to college um and it was probably my first semester of college i met a guy at a car dealership who uh worked at a 911 dispatch center and he just kind of worked at the car dealership as a as a part-time like for fun job which was sort of the first time I'd ever heard of that. Sure. Um, and so he was like, you know, if you if it's something you're interested in, why don't you like just come by and I'll, I'll let you sit for a couple hours and kind of get a feel for it and see what it's all about.
0: When you say sit, you mean do like a sit-along where you just kind of observe right. and see what everybody's doing and kind of the basic understanding of the job. Is that right?
1: Yeah, so um, I just kind of sat behind him. He gave me a, a headset so I could hear the all the phone calls and radio traffic and uh what he was saying and what everyone was saying to him. Um and you know, for those couple hours, it was, it was sort of a whole new world for me. Um because I was used to, you know, sort of having an understanding of all what people just call 911 when they have like a life or death emergency, to really realizing that people call nine one one when they just don't know the answer to a question. (laughs) Um it's sort of a go to for just about everything.
0: Yeah, right. I don't know who to call. I might as well just call 911 because one they right. have to answer the phone and That's right. you know, even if this isn't the right number, they might be able to point me in the general right direction. About your sit along, what were some of the first things that you noticed as far as what the job entails?
1: So, the the, the first time I did it, um it was actually um a much smaller It's slower agency. Um, They dispatched one fire department and uh, two police departments. So, And the person that I was with majority worked at night. So it was relatively slow. Um, But, man, it was amazing how fast you could go from just sitting there uh, not doing a whole lot to all of a sudden, you know, the phone is ringing nonstop. And uh, you just can't talk fast enough to get stuff out on the radio and get back to the phone and type. So it it was, it was an interesting experience just seeing how fast it can go from zero to a hundred.
0: And did that scare you at all? Did that motivate you to like, yeah, that's something I'd want to do. This, this looks pretty cool.
1: It was a little bit of both. Um, I was, you know, I was a little daunting just to see, like, you know, you hear all these new things and they're talking to police officers and firefighters and ambulances and they're, they're calling outside agencies and. Um, you know, you hear the the tones for the fire department going off, and you know all these different things that are just it's just everything is so new, um and there's so much of it all at once. It was just uh there was a lot to take in, uh, but at the same time, you're kind of like, wow, you're like you're in the middle of it and and not, nothing happens without you doing it so it it was cool, you know it was a little scary just because it was so much, but it was also very cool because you know you're in the middle of it,
0: yeah, right it's Pretty much direct exposure. Um, Before I forget, do you um, have family, friends, or anyone that is involved directly in law enforcement or public safety in some fashion?
1: I didn't at the time. Um, So no no family. Um, But as I've sort of gotten into it and and continued on, um, I I now know a lot more people um, all over from uh, various, you know. Police officers, firefighters, other dispatchers. So it, it's kinda cool how family kind of grows with you as you as you move move through the job.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like you and I have that in common in that respect, where I didn't know anybody involved in law enforcement. Where I work, it's primarily law enforcement. We don't we don't deal with or directly deal with other agencies like EMS or fire department or things like that. So yeah, I mean, like you mentioned earlier, learning the language, just learning the nature of not only what 911 operators do, but also what firefighters do and also what police officers do. That was a total learning experience for me. And I mean, even to this day, I'm September, I think I'll be four years in. I'm still learning kind of the ins and outs and things. And I can totally understand with what you mentioned about the familial aspect of it. You're still training, so I'm sure you've had your series of stressful moments. And I don't know if the same is for your center, but when something serious is happening, like an emergency is happening, like a pursuit or something involving officer safety, at least for me, where I work, everybody is pretty good at coming together to. Get things done and to basically do their job no matter how overworked and stressed out and whatever they have going on in their own personal lives
1: and and it's interesting um, because where I work now we cover a whole county um, so you know when something like that comes up, yes it is of you know the utmost importance to deal with them and and figure out what's going on with that but at the same time there's still the rest of a county that may be calling in with you know. A medical problems or the fire problems or whatever else. So um, like you said, you know, you, you kind of get everyone working as the same team, uh, trying to, you know, call the other agencies or, you know, see if anyone else can help or get a helicopter or whatever, um, but also trying to stay stay in their own lane and answer their own calls and get their own radios and stuff like that.
0: It's a real balancing act. I'm sure you've been exposed in some way to... You know people who aren't having the best of days, whether they be nine one one callers or whether they be fellow dispatchers, I mean, I know I've been sassed by many other dispatchers from other agencies just oh, like yeah. hey uh can you can you come and help us out uh where is it uh, duh, 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 x x and y cross street yeah, we don't handle that um we're not gonna show okay. up lots of eye opening. Uh, things that you you yeah. know don't quite expect to happen.
1: Yep. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because you, you think about it, the, most people's um, involvement in public safety is they hear a fire truck coming around the corner and they see it go flying by and then watch it go down the street. And so there are 15 seconds of all oh, look at all the loud noises and shiny lights, and then the fire truck disappears. You know that that's all most people ever see when they think of nine one one so it's it's really different for someone like us that deals with it all day every day where there's just so many different sides and moving pieces all the way around
0: what was one of the hardest things about training that you can remember and what was something that you picked up relatively easy compared to your peers
1: Um, i think the the most difficult part uh, especially in the beginning of training was um being able to listen to like seven different radios at once, um, you know, because we have you get the fire channel, you get the police channel, you got um, in our area, we have like basically channels you can talk to other comm centers directly on, so you don't have to call them. Um, so just all these different things you have to keep your ear on, um, and while you may be on the phone at the same time, so just juggling all of that, trying to filter out what's important, what can wait a second. Um, what you got to answer right now, what doesn't matter at all. Um, that was probably the hardest thing that I had going into it. Um, but surprisingly, I think that was one of the things that I picked up the quickest. So it was, it was weird. Cause you know, initially I was like, I don't know. I don't have any idea how I'm going to be able to listen to, you know, eight different radios all at the same time. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you do it for a while and you're like, wow I'm actually sitting here understanding what seven people are saying to me all at the same time. And it's kind of a weird feeling.
0: Yeah, I think we've all reached that breakthrough where you start to develop what's called your dispatch ear, where the sound of someone else's voice, whether it be someone else on the radio, which sounds very different from someone calling from a cell phone or a landline to report an emergency, you know, the different accents, the different pronunciations. I'm, I'm based in LA. And I've been born and raised here. So geographically, I like to think that I have a good understanding of the area based on, you know, just the sound of certain streets. You know, like, oh, if you're calling from X Street, then you're more than likely located in this city, too. So things like street names. Which is a huge benefit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can only imagine people who... Where I work, we get people transferring in from other agents or not other agencies, mainly from other communication centers within the same agency. Thankfully, they're close enough or you'll, you'll get the people who, so for our dispatchers um, for certain radios, it's based on certain geographic locations. Oftentimes you get the people who were kind of born and raised in the same city and they're kind of stuck and hindered to only working the dispatch radio for that particular area at which they grew up in. So they're really strong in that sense, but it's often lopsided as far as what their geographical knowledge is. And I mean, geography, even for me, for someone who's been born and raised here, it was still a lot.
1: Well, and like you were saying, uh, uh, you know, those people that are limited to the certain areas, you know, that can be good and bad um, because if you, uh, you know, for whatever area that you're from, if you know that area inside and out, um, you know, when someone calls and says, you know, they're at the gas station down the street from the bookstore, you probably know exactly where that is.
0: Yeah. Where,
1: you know, someone else that came from wherever, other part of the city and they're like, okay, well, that could be literally any gas station. So, you, you know, you have to narrow that down a little bit more. Um, so, you know, it's good and bad where, you have you have the one little section down like the back of your hand, but you may not know everything else as well. So, kind of a double double-edged sword there.
0: Do you want to explain to the listeners where you're based out of and kind of your um, upbringing and how you how long you've been living there and how that has helped or hindered you with your job?
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm in Southwest Ohio, um, and I, I've been here my whole life. Um, I started out. Uh, The the first smaller center that I was with was in um, a a separate county than where I work now. So I got the geography of that county down pretty well. You know, our center only took care of one little city. So it was a little different um, taking care of, you know, one little city versus an entire county. It's a little easier to keep track of certain things. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was was at that center for about uh, six years. Um, And then I went over to um, a helicopter EMS agency for uh, just under a year. Um, And now I'm at a county-wide center, uh, which is a, we worked with this county um, where I was at before, but, you know, not enough to really know any of the um, geography anywhere. But uh, it's definitely interesting going from, you know, a little city where you have, You know, still a decent amount of streets, but where you could pretty much learn where everything was relatively quickly to a whole county where, you know, you might have the same name gas station three times in one city and then times, you know, 12 for all the different cities in the county. Sure,
0: sure.
1: Yeah. So that just I think the sheer size of having a whole county um, is one of the one of the most challenging parts so far
0: you're doing a lot more work than I'm doing currently at where I work. Do you find that the previous experience you've had from that small city on top of the, um, the helicopter dispatch, does that, do all those kind of like help you when it comes to learning your, your, your new gig with this county job?
1: I think so. Um, coming from the small agency where, um, I, I was frequently working alone there, um, so you kind of get a hang of, you know, like I said, talking on the phone, listening to the radio, um, typing on the computer, um, do the, looking at people's criminal history and all that stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so transferring that over to a, a, a county size, um, it's a little easier to just, you essentially, you already have the building blocks there to be able to listen to everything at the same time, type while you're, uh, type while you're talking, type while you're listening. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the building blocks of just kind of talking on the phone and putting stuff into a computer, but it's, it, it is different. Uh, like you said, with, with the more agencies, um, that one is, is kind of throwing me up a little bit, uh, a couple times, but it's, uh, you know, it's all a big learning curve, but with, with those learning blocks down, it, it definitely makes the things that I'm learning now much easier.
0: So with the learning curve in mind, what type of advice would you give to trainees that you feel would have been helpful for you in your training process,
1: what I would have told myself going into this is try to go into it with a completely blank slate um, so where like whereas I tried to you know oh well at this agency you know my last my last life I did this, and this is done this way here um, you know, just try to go into it with no expectations. And then once you sort of once you sort of pick up how certain things work, then you can kinda try to find ways to relate that to uh what you've done in the past. And I think that's that's probably the, the most helpful thing that I've kind of figured out over the
0: last couple months. What if it's someone's first gig, their first nine one one dispatch job. Do you have any uh words of wisdom for them?
1: Everyone will tell you like um, if it didn't go into the call, it didn't happen, which mm-hmm. is true. But there, you know, there's a lot of times where just having a good old pen and paper is super helpful. You know, like we we do, we do phone pings and just writing down the officer's email, you know, so you can send the information to them. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to go in a, in a call for service or um, because anything that goes in there is public record. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're just kind of, Sometimes old school is easier. You know, okay. like there's pen and paper, just writing something down real quick, um, having it in front of you is sometimes more helpful than trying to use all these different electronic things that they have. Um, when I came from the at the smaller center that I had, there were some guys that had been, that had been there for a while, and it was interesting to see uh, like the first couple of times I'd worked with them. Typically, as soon as the phone rings. You, everything that the people say, you just start putting into this call. So when I worked with them for the first time, um, you know, I'm sitting there, I hear him answer the phone, I hear him asking questions, getting all this information, and I'm looking up at the screen, and I'm like, "There's, there's nothing here yet. Like, what's going on?" Mm-hmm. Um, and so I look over there, and he's got this whole thing written down on a pad of paper, and I was like, "Well, that's, that's an odd way to do that." Once he got, once he has like most of everything uh, that he needs. Then he starts putting it all in there, and I was amazed at how fast—like he—the call was created, the address was put in there, what was going on was in there, uh, you know, all the information that he needed was was in there with, within you know thirty seconds of him making that call. Whereas you know a lot of people, as soon as they open the call, or as soon as they answer the phone, they open up this call and try to throw a whole bunch of information in there, and everyone is getting all confused because now there's every every word that this person has said in there and it's all just kind of a big mess
0: so i'll share an example for me when i was training so this is my first and so far only dispatching gig so when i was training i you know you you have a trainer by your side they're listening to you Speak with 911 callers when you're working the radio and doing that. For me, our training process was separate where the first half of your training, you learned how to answer 911 calls. And the second half, you learned, how to, you learned how to work the dispatch radio where you communicate with officers and you implement all of the language that you learned and things of that sort. Because you're with a trainer and they're training you a specific way, I'm guilty of believing that there's basically one way to do things this is the desired outcome you know be as close to perfect as you can you know you're talking and typing for us when we work the radio we have this foot pedal so it's a lot of motor skills are concerned and i caught myself getting in that pigeonhole of well if i'm not doing it this way then i'm doing it wrong if the message that you're trying to get across makes sense to you that's essentially good enough.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, we. So we at the at the smaller center I was at, there was a trainer there that, you know, it, you would say, you know, click this button and click this button and and get to this outcome. Well, if someone were to click the, a different button and a different button, but still get to the same outcome, she'd go, "Oh, well, you did that wrong." Uh, You're like, "Well, the, they didn't do it wrong. They just didn't do it the way that you are used to doing it." So. I think that's something that yeah and this probably covers every every um uh every job market and every career field out there that you know when people get set in their ways and they they either don't know or they forget or what whatever the case may be that there are other ways to do things and so you know these people are set in their way of doing something and then they're responsible for training this new person to do it and they they show them this one way to do it and it's like, there's no other way to do anything. And so um, I think that that can kind of lead to a, a little bit of re- not resentment, but just uh, some rubbings of the wrong way.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. I I um I hear stories of where I work of like back in, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, uh, there'd be someone working in emergency, whether we would be in pursuit with somebody or what have you. And they're like. Reading a book or yeah. doing something on the side when it's something that could be critical, and if you don't nail it as a trainee, then you're you know more likely to receive like bad remarks or maybe this job isn't for you kind of thing but yeah once you once you get it down and you know the essentials and I'll add the concepts of why you're doing what you're doing makes everything a whole lot easier. You see people that are killing it at the job and at the same time it's sad to say that you see people either struggling or they've kind of slipped through the cracks to the point where they're not doing their job very well and it's almost like cringeworthy to hear how they not only communicate with officers but also to members of the public who are having an emergency. I draw a lot of short sticks when it comes to why are you behaving this way? You know, I mean, I understand people have a lot of things going on in their lives that, which can like sort of paint the picture and things, but you know, I don't think we'll ever really know 100%, you know, like, okay, you're falling short or maybe you're having a bad day. Maybe you're not.
1: Which could bring us to uh, our first article that we were going to talk about today
0: absolutely uh here we go with some with some current events
1: we interrupt this program to bring you a special news bullet
0: new orleans 911 operator on the run after allegedly hanging up on distressed callers a 911 operator is on the run from the police for hanging up on callers in distress according to the new orleans times Precious Stevens hung up on five 911 callers when she didn't connect them with the emergency services or the proper authorities during their call. She also didn't get any important details during these calls. Stevens, 25, will be charged with malfeasance in office, which carries a five-year prison sentence and interfering with an emergency communication. There is a warrant out for her arrest. Could you imagine?
1: There there have been times where, you know, you listen to someone on the phone and you're like, well, you know, hanging up on you would just feel really good. But (laughs) You can't do that in this job. You know, you gotta, you gotta stick it out and you gotta figure out what's going on. And, and, uh, you know, at least if you can't do anything about it, get them pointed in the right direction. Um, you know, we, our County is sort of rural in parts and, uh, you know, we get a lot of calls for you know animals in their backyard and so they're like, well, what do I do? I'm like well you nothing I mean it's an animal that's in the wild so you don't you can't but I'm not gonna hang up on them you know you're just gonna kind of inform them and get important in the right direction so
0: it sounds like from the first paragraph of the article that it was that it came to like transferring to other agencies but yeah, at the same time you still have to think a couple steps ahead let me Keep reading here. Uh working as a nine one one operator with the uh, Orleans Parish Communications District at the time, she is wanted for allegedly disconnecting nine one one calls deliberately without obtaining necessary emergency information or relaying such emergencies to the other dispatchers for AIDS. New Orleans Police Department Press uh, Release really stated a report was taken uh, da, 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 da. when the New Orleans Parish Communication District was checking the quality of random calls. They noticed issues with calls made during Stevens' shifts on August 20 and 21st. She was later fired from her position. The Times noted so they caught her deliberately hanging up on callers and it sounds like just abandoning the call altogether. I mean, there's essential things that you need to get for us. I'm sure it's similar to you where it's your name, uh your phone number, the nature of your emergency and some sort of attempt at obtaining their geographical location. It sounds like out of random. So, that's random selected. You know she hung up on way more people than that and right. I mean, maybe she was having a bad day, but like I mean, I uh, I don't know, man. Like, um, but, but I, I mean, would... you
1: know, it mentions it mentions that there were two days here uh, where this happened. So, uh, you know, like you were saying earlier, this could have just been you know, something bad happened that week, and she was having a rough two days, or you know, uh, whatever the case was, it, it could have been an isolated incident, you know, over over those two days there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously hanging up on people that call nine one one is. Not a good thing, uh, so it's mm-hmm. not an excuse, but like you said, uh, bad days are, are, do exist.
0: I'll even take her side for a little bit and let's say she's having a bad day, she's having trouble grasping the job, maybe it's a combination of those things, maybe it's also her scheduling, maybe she's working graveyards and she's not a night person, so the fatigue of disrupting your natural circadian rhythm could play a part in that. okay. I get it. You're struggling. Talk to somebody about it. Ask for help. You know, you you don't have to go through your struggles alone as down and out as you may or may not be. That's what supervisors and managers are there for. If you're not getting it or if you need to take time off and step away from the job, you know, there are resources there that you can utilize. I've I I personally have had to visit uh peer support because I was, I'm guilty not only when it comes to the job, but also just in a lot of aspects of life for being really hard on myself and holding myself to sometimes an unrealistic expectation of things. And so for you to, for one, to be struggling, uh, two, for you to show that through your work performance and three, for you to kind of sweep it under the rug and not address it that's
1: yeah those are all biggies uh and i would say it's it's fairly common um in this industry to have available um you know like a like a uh, critical incident stress team so you know after after you've dealt with some bigger call or, or something that that could potentially have some lasting effects you know they can bring in a group of people that you can sit down with and talk to and Uh, You know, they're they're specially trained to help you deal with these kind of things or, you know, even just maybe a chaplain, you know, to sit down with and talk to you about some things that that could be changed in your life to make things a little easier or, you know, life changes. You know, something as easy as just changing your diet um, Mm -hmm. can can drastically change how your work-life balance uh, is.
0: Absolutely. You can change your diet. You can change your sleep pattern. I remember when I was working graveyards, I had to put into practice monitoring how much sleep I got, because if I just kind of winged it and I wasn't paying attention, you know, that's when things start to domino effect where I'm really struggling with finishing out the last three or four hours of my eight or 12 hour shift. I'm also eating shitty because I'm sleep deprived. And then that just turns into just more of an imbalance and no good. And then you end up fired from your job. There's a warrant for your arrest. And now you're, you know, fleeing from the police agency that you were working for previously. I mean, that's
1: that's not That's not a good end to a day. Yeah. I mean, you know, the one of the like, you know, kind of classic lines is. Public safety is usually the best part of your worst day. So, all these people that that are in this this line of work in this job, all they do all day is go to the worst day of people's lives all day long. And so that you know that's definitely going to take a toll when all you see is the worst thing that people have ever dealt with in their life all day every day, uh, without ever seeing you know a good thing come out of it. So. Um, you know, you occasionally get, get something positive, like, uh, you know, when you go to a, an EMS call, uh, and everyone, you know, you think, oh, well, there's, there's a, some medical emergency, and you get there, and it's a lady that has a baby, you know, with no issues, and those those are happy, you know? You get there, and you think you're going to go to something that's life-threatening and uh, the worst day of their life, but uh, it's a, a kid being brought into the world, so... You know, there there are positives hidden in there, but uh, yeah, for the most part, the worst day of everyone's lives compounded for 12 hours a day, that's going to be, that's going to take a toll on people.
0: Not everyone has a go-to solution when it comes to dealing with all of the stress and trauma and being able to process all that. Do you, Pedro, do you have any like go-tos when you're kind of feeling overwhelmed?
1: um you know it's when you're at work it's very tough to do especially where i work now we have uh it's a phone system that that automatically answers uh so you know you could be big conversation with your with uh, the person sitting next to you and you hear a ding in your ear and you're on a call so it's very hard to sort of take a step back and and get a minute in between each each call there but uh outside of work um for me video games is is helpful you know you can just kind of sit back you you know and especially with all the different kinds of games that are out there now you know you can you can pick something that'll kind of keep your mind engaged and focused on something or you can pick something where you don't really have to think about it and you can just kind of sit there and relax a little bit um so for me that that can be helpful but uh you know a lot of people go for go hiking um or spend time outside or uh, a lot of people like cooking. Um, I, I've heard that's a, that's a popular one. Uh, you know, just finding some sort of hobby to do to just get your mind off of uh, focusing on work.
0: I'm the uh, outdoorsy athletic type. So I spend my free time a lot, just, you know, escaping from work. I'm not one to vent directly as far um, to like my family and loved ones and things it like that's not my preferred method. I mean, if there's something interesting that I heard happen, you know, I wasn't too shaken up by it. I may or may not, but most of the time, I do tend to just err on the like I'm not really one to gossip all that much i mean i'm not I'm not guilty of not gossiping ever, but I do have my go-to's as far as what i do with my free time which brings me to the next article um, that discusses free time where i didn't really realize this until i saw it in a news article and in words the headline is yearning for free time too much of it could take a toll on your mental well-being which just by the headline i was intrigued by it right like you think like oh I mean you you have multiple days off you would think I have all this free time I'm just going to veg out and not do anything right and right. sometimes it works and other times it doesn't so mm-hmm. let's see um a new study finds that people may just may be just as unhappy with too much free time as they do with too little uh, apparently sweet spots for extra free time is about 3 About three and a half hours per day. As the amount exceeds beyond that, however, the benefits of well-being decline. And around seven hours, the extra free time starts making people feel bad, according to a study published Thursday in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology, dated uh, today. Uh, The time of this recording is September 10th. Pedro, do you have any personal experience with either having too little or too much free time?
1: Uh, Definitely a lot of experience with too little. Uh, okay. But, you know, too much, I could see... Um, there, there have been occasionally days where, you know, you finally get off work and you get up the next day and you're like, okay, I'm just going to have a nice relaxing day, sit on the couch, watch some TV, maybe make, make some food. And, you know, the next thing you know, it's 6, 7 o'clock and you're like, well... Uh, they're kind of with the whole day. There. Uh, and so, you know, so then you kind of get in this mood of like, well, I was going to actually like, you know, go get some groceries or go wash my car or, or, you know, do something. And now the sun's down and it's time to go to bed again. And you're like, well, I guess I didn't want really to get as much done as I thought I did. And then you're kind of in this, uh, you know, almost regret of, you know, not doing anything more during the day, but yeah. So I could, I could see what, where they're coming from with this.
0: I've fallen into that, you know, oh, I have the whole day to myself. And then, you know, the sun's about to go down and I haven't done shit all day. And then there's, like you said, there's the, there's the guilt that comes from it and stuff. And, um, I don't have the article pulled up now, but I've, I've, Mm. I personally have been reading up on the concept of what is self-worth. Do you know, are you familiar with that idea of self-worth?
1: Uh, I mean, just, you know, Vaguely, but not not anything too specific.
0: So, what I've been reading is that there is a difference between self esteem and self worth. And I'm just going to paraphrase here that the concept of self esteem is more centered around your accomplishments. So, where you work, how well you are at your job, how well just how successful you are from a tangible material aspect. And self-worth is more or less is the feeling of self-esteem without having the need to prove it and just having that like natural love for yourself. The reason I was looking into that is because for one, I didn't even know that term existed until earlier this year. And um, two, I am guilty of being like 95% self esteem and about 5% self worth it's something that i'm trying to work with the idea of oh i didn't do enough i let the day just kind of float by because i was you know i just didn't feel motivated that day that that part of that mental headspace stems from someone's concept of self worth and what you're able to naturally feel about yourself without having to bring your accomplishments like your strong work ethic or your athleticism
1: So it sounds like self-esteem is sort of how how you think everyone else sees you and self-worth self self self-worth uh is sort of how you see yourself
0: yeah yeah i'd say so you have the evidence of your accomplishments and successes to kind of present to others and it's very different than what you can muster up on your own.
1: Yeah, I could see how that could how that uh, how that could be lopsided.
0: That the the idea of self worth is where these imbalances of either having too little or too much free time. I guess more so on the too much free time kind of stems stems from.
1: Yeah, there's those days that uh, that completely get away from you like that can definitely contribute to the uh i I could see how that that could uh contribute to some lower self self self-worth where uh you know you had some higher expectations for yourself for the day and you just didn't really hit them
0: the new study looked at free time from several angles first the researchers analyzed data from 21,736 Americans who participated in the Bureau of Labor Statistics American Time Use Survey between 2012 and 2013. Those participants provided a detailed account of what they did during the previous 24 hours and reported on their sense of well-being. The analysis showed that initially, as free time increased, so did the people's sense of well-being, but well-being and happiness started to level off at around 2 hours and then and then to decline around at around 5 hours results from the different survey bolstered those findings so my understanding from this article is that if you believe that you're worth it then you will have a better balanced life when it comes to how you can appreciate your free time as far as opposed to well have the day off what how many things can i fit in here to i don't know like justify my existence or something
1: right yeah i mean you know and a lot of times it's not anything that you know super big or uh you know award-worthy that you that you need to do but you know something as simple as you know washing your car or throwing away the cups that you left in your car all week while you're at work or getting some groceries or uh, you know, getting laundry done, um, and a lot of times, uh, at least for me, just writing, just writing the things down as I think about them on, you know, a whiteboard on the fridge or a notepad at your desk or whatever. Um, then that way, on your days off, you can kind of look at that and be like, oh yeah, well, I've had, I've, I've watched a couple of shows now. I can get up and go do some laundry, and uh, you know, it, it's kind of a visual reminder that oh yeah, there are some things that I have to do, but. No one's really getting on you about doing them, but it, it just helps to see yourself kind of cross these things off the list uh, as you go through your day. And for me, anyway, that, that kind of helps prevent days getting totally wasted away
0: like that. If you're a trainee listening to this, then this is great advice. I wish I wish someone would have sat down with me to kind of convey that same message where, hey, the hardest part starting, we know that the hardest part is starting as an agency and just devoting a little bit of time out of your day to practice and get better at what it is you're doing.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, and a good kind of phrase to just keep reminding yourself is uh, slow is smooth and smooth is fast.
0: Slow and steady, marginal gains. You'll, you know, ask for help if you need help and persevere pedro before we go this has been awesome by the way but uh before we go do you have any like final words final thoughts anything you'd like to share
1: you know like like we were talking about the hardest part is getting the ball rolling one of the things that you know a lot of people getting into a new job and this any new job but this one specifically just because there's so much to learn everyone is always uh you know a little afraid at the beginning like you said but you know, like if anyone has ever pushed a car, uh, you know, it takes so much effort to just get it to start to roll. But once you have it rolling, you could just push up against it and you don't have to do anything. It it just it's already moving. So, you know, and that's that's pretty similar to how training works. The hardest part is just getting it moving. Uh once you got it moving, then then you really start putting all the pieces together and picking up new things as you go.
0: Pedro, thank you for uh, joining me. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Uh, Until next time, this has been the Public Safety Podcast. 911 emergency. Hello?